Okay. Interior Capitol Records Executive Suite, early spring, 1966. Brian, come on in. Oh, hey, man. Hey, uh, so I just listened to uh, Let's Go Away for a while. Oh, yeah, what yeah. The... What did you think? What the hell are you thinking? I mean, I, I'm not sure I can explain that. It sort of... It sort of just comes to me when I'm when I'm feeling happy, and I want I wanted to say something like you know let's go away. That's what the title says. Let's let's escape for a while. Let's open our minds. You know. Okay. You, you, do you do you know the nineteen forty one song Tommy Dorsey? Let's get away from it all. Right. That's got a vocal. That's got a, a, a you know a story behind it. That's got hey let's go and then we'll come back and all that stuff. What what are you doing with this? Oh, I mean, you know, I, I the vocal's great and all, and I, I originally thought that this might be the backing track for a vocal, but then I realized, you know what, forget it on this one, because the, the instrumentation is just so good, it was all in my head, I just thought it, it needed to be out there, people needed to hear it. Don't you think people need to hear the Beach Boys harmonies? I don't think people need to hear anything, man. I think people hear what's in their hearts. I think people hear what they want to hear. <laughs> Don't you think people on a Beach Boys album need to hear Beach Boys harmonies? I don't know, man. We're going to release Caroline No under my name, not the Beach Boys. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brian, no. <laughs> perhaps See, that's it how it happened. See, perhaps that's how it happened. Who knows? For, yeah, maybe, maybe. Welcome to Pod Sounds, the podcast that breaks down the Beach Boys' seminal album, Pet Sounds. I'm Cecilia. And I'm Gil. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, welcome to episode eight, are we on now? Wow. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and a track that um, I'm very, very interested to uh, hear your thoughts on, Let's Go Away for a While. Um, because I'll be honest, I have in my head the uh, the great Tommy Dorsey, Frank Sinatra song from 1941, Let's Get Away From It All. And you know what? This isn't that. <laughs> so this there you go. This would now be the uh, second time that we've talked about that song because we mentioned Rosemary Clooney's version. Oh, uh, there you go. You're right. So um, anyway, but it's not that song, so we can never mention it again. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just funny that it happened twice, you know? Right. Matt Dennis, Tom Adair wrote that song, very... by the way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, this is a very different song from that song. And in fact, it's not even a song at all. Because as well, as far as my musical education has taught me, if a piece of music has lyrics or has words, it is a song. And if it doesn't, it's, you know, a piece. It, generally speaking, it's a piece. Okay. It could be so something it's... else, you know, it could be a, a symphony or, you know, a, like a, an actual, it, it might actually have a category in terms of classical music, but just in general terms, it's a piece. Okay. And so real quickly, does this piece have a category? Ooh. Not that I can see. Uh, okay. it, ha it has sections. It has a couple different movements, if you will, but I don't think it's, 
substantial enough to be to fit into any one category or what to fit into one category versus another. Okay, good. So my, because one of my problems, one of my problems here, first of all, you know, not having the vocabulary that you do as far as to describe music and, and that sort of thing. But there's something, in my opinion, <laughs> very, uh, what, uh, unsatisfying about this, mm. right? Um, I keep uh, thinking, you know, I want, I want more shape. I want more. And once again, as I, you know, the, the capital suit in me, um, is saying, what's he thinking? Uh, this, this, if, if this whole album is not terribly beach boysy, this has got to be the least beach boysy thing we've heard thus far. And it's not like in 1966, instrumental music wasn't uh, wasn't around actually it probably was far more prevalent on pop albums then than it is now right so just the fact that it's an instrumental isn't isn't the issue um but it seems to you know i i don't know where to hang my my hat on this thing and that's it's it's kind of frustrating because i i you know i don't um First of all, I don't get my my Beach Boys uh, uh, harmonies, but I don't right. even get my Brian. I don't get my Brian uh, Brian Wilson melody either. So uh, anyway, but that's that's what, what I'm, I'm here so to you learn. Get nothing, you I lose. Get... <laughs> Good day, sir. <laughs> but that's why I need you to explain what I'm missing. Sure, I'll I'll, I'll do my best at that. Um, I mean, it's interesting that you. You mentioned the tradition of including instrumental pieces in, you know, vocal albums or pop albums, albums full of vocal music otherwise, because I do think that this piece is not necessarily responsible, but had a hand in some of the instrumental or other sort of found sounds laden material that is on albums even today. Like, especially, I think, in the R&B and hip hop traditions. There are tracks that are either spoken, like they're spoken, like, you know, voice messages or things like that, or they're just sort of found sounds, like clips of conversation, snippets of things, things that, you know, don't constitute a song. Right. Okay. And I do think that those ideas or those instincts that sort of bind the other sections of albums together do owe something to this. Okay. Um, yeah, and and but even you know, separate from the fact that uh, it's a, a non-vocal um, piece on a on an album that's otherwise a you know vocal vocal um, selections, right? You know, there's a just a whole bunch in the in the mid '60s, all through and early '60s, and all through the '50s, etc. There are all sorts of uh, pop albums that were instrumental. Right. You know, and not classical. Mm. Right. It was de they were definitely pop right. albums. But and so, um, like I said, it wouldn't be odd to, you know, hear a pop and even, you know, um, pop singles that were instrumentals. Right. Uh, very, you know, fairly, yeah. fairly common at the time. So it's uh, it's Tequila. it's not that. <laughs> so it's not that there's no vocal on it. But once again, for the Beach Boys, if I'm a if I'm a capital suit, I'm thinking. Really, we're uh, 
we're getting we're getting rid of that Beach Boys vocal sound. Is that a good idea? Um, so uh, even if it's just for one track on side one, but uh, I'm 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 concerned as a suit. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, and there will be more where it came from. And I, yes. I mean, I don't know in what order the, the songs were recorded and or the capital suits heard them. But if this is the first one they heard, then uh, they should have buckled up for what was coming next. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, leave it to Brian to take a, you know, a hitherto established form, you know, in terms of a, a, an instrumental or a non-vocal piece on an otherwise pop album which wasn't out of the ordinary or wasn't unheard of anyway, and make it weird, make yes. it odd, make it sound like something that no one had ever heard before. Okay, I know you are not a fan of hearing Brian talk about his own work, but I do have some quotes from him All if right. you want to know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, this is a direct quote. He says, I used a lot of musicians on the track. Ready for this? 12 violins, piano, four saxes, oboe, vibes, which I think is vibraphone, a guitar with a Coke bottle on the strings for a semi-steel guitar effect. Also, I used two basses and percussion. So, you know, all right. that's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but actually, that's more concrete than Brian usually uh, says in, in things he says about his music. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very impressed with that because that's actually concrete. Um, it's not just, yeah, he, he oh, puts yeah, it all just... in one place. Um, and then he goes on to say the total effect is let's go away for a while, which is something everyone in the world must have said at some time or another. Nice thought. Most of us don't go away, but it's still a nice thought. The track was supposed to be the backing for a vocal. But I decided to leave it alone. It stands up well alone. Oh, so there you go. go. He maybe had some, either he assumed that he was going to come up with a vocal idea to layer over it at some point. He didn't have it yet, but he thought it would come to him in the future. Or he had a vocal idea that just ended up not making the cut. Right. So I wonder so, which one it was. That's a really interesting thing to me. Right. But, but okay. So there you go. So it wasn't going to be as uh, different as he had, a, as, as ended up being. So, all right. Yeah. Well, I, cool. Or at least that okay. wasn't the original idea for it. Exactly. Exactly. And then it ended up being that, but it was really no loss because he went on to say that this was quote, the most satisfying piece of music I ever made. Wow. So there we go. All right. Um, just goes to show that Brian and I aren't on the same wavelength. <laughs> If if there was ever you're not, any, uh, you're not picking up the same vibrations. Clearly, there, <laughs> good or or not, yeah. good or otherwise. So Brian conducts, but he doesn't play on this track. No Beach Boy is present on an instrument on this track. Brian is the uh, only one involved, having you know composed the piece and then then conducting it. And so, um, when, oh yeah, when go we, ahead. We, we, do you happen to know um, if? When you know, I, I when I think of uh, recording sessions, I especially you know '60s and earlier, I I think of you know um, a Frank Sinatra recording session with you know the musicians there and with Nelson Riddle or Gordon Jenkins or whatever uh, on the podium conducting. Is is Brian doing that? Because you know now the only thing I have in my mind is Love and Mercy, and you got the. Uh, 
you know, you have the musicians in one room and then uh, you got Brian walking around well, at he, first, but then yeah, and he's, and then he's the on the, yeah, he's behind the board. So is, is conducting that is conducting behind the board saying, I need more from, you know, the third, uh, third violinist from the left. That was the love and mercy image is the one that I have in my head as well. Okay. So right. I, I don't know anything beyond that. Okay. All right. So conducting isn't. I wouldn't what it be surprised. To... <laughs> well, conducting isn't what it used to be, or maybe it just, maybe it just didn't look like that. Gotcha. You know, the ultimate effect was still achieved. Right. Oh yes. It, it didn't have. It didn't have the same. You know, it's it's not Leopold Sikovsky in front of the Philadelphia Orchestra. Right. Right. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Um, okay. And then before before we get into the song or the the piece itself, I have to talk about the title. Which okay. comes from, and he talks about this in the Pet Sound Sessions. Brian talks about this in the Pet Sound Sessions, even though it isn't in reference to this song specifically. But the title was originally, let's go away for a while, and then in parentheses, and then we'll have world peace. Do you know uh, what this is a reference to? I do not. Okay, it is a comedy album from 1959 by these two comedians named Del Close and John Brent. The album is called How to Speak Hip. It feels huh. to me like a very beat generation kind of thing where they're basically parodying or do doing this satirical lesson on like the vocabulary of the hipsters. Okay. Like how right. to fit in with that kind of vernacular. And one of the bits that they do, I think, I haven't listened to the thing, but one of the bits that they have in it is you know, do, like, you know, get, get me a chocolate bar and then we'll have world peace, you know, like doing these very <laughs> simple things and then, you know, total harmony will be achieved. And so Brian started to incorporate that phrase into his vocabulary in the studio, ah, you know, do this for me and then we'll have world peace. And so he wanted to include that in the title as a nod to that album, but whether by his own decision or maybe the decision of a capital suit mm -hmm. or someone else, um, the title was shortened just to let's go away for a while. Yeah. I, well, I'm wondering if to, for that to work, maybe that was tied into whatever the vocal line would have been mm, right. That maybe. it would, yeah. you know, and so you get rid of, you get rid of the vocal line and that goes too. So yeah, but interesting. Okay. No, didn't. All right. I have to check out that album. And once again, what was the, uh, what was who were the who were the comedians? Um, it's called How to Speak Hip, and the comedians were Del Close and John Brent. Okay, Close and Brent. And it was released right. in 1959 on Mercury Records. Okay, cool. Have to check that out. Um, so that was obviously something that Brian was listening to on repeat as he was wont to <laughs> listen to things. Right away, so much to unpack, but also where do we begin? <laughs> um, let me just point out that the very first thing we hear is what? Timpani. That's right. That's what brings us in. That's sort of the and one 
kind of guides us onto the downbeat there. Um, and you get, I mean, I think that's the, the vibraphone there, the doom, 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 uh, which is the most prominent pitch that you hear, I suppose. Once again, it's not a melody, it's not a melodic line, but it's, it's something that you latch onto. It's the thing that I first noticed. It's, you've sort of got that bitonality because you've got the piano underneath that's very low. Speaking of which, I should say, I think we're, we're in the key of B, I think, and then we go into B flat. I, I don't even totally know. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to <laughs> listen as we go and be extra attentive to it. Because there, because there are so many pitches. It's, I'm not sure it's even bitonality. It's polytonality. There are so many pitches being played at the same time that would fall into different keys or that wouldn't all fall into one key together. So you've got the piano underneath that's sort of moving up and occasionally the instruments will meet in one key, but then they'll part ways again. So it's, it's really, it's really dense stuff to listen to. Yes. At the, at the same time, right. For, for me, right. The archetypal uh, you know, sort of uninformed listener. I'm not sure. I, I'm. I'm. I'm just waiting. I'm kind of. I'm waiting. Okay. So when's this thing gonna start? Right. Um, okay. So that's. I was is, gonna ask. What? How do you feel when you listen to it? What's I, your? I, what, I, what are I your just, thoughts? I. I feel suspended. I feel like okay. Um. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna get to something soon. So I. I, okay. I hear. I hear lots of. I, I hear lots of pretty sounds but i don't hear i don't hear a song or a piece <laughs> yet mm-hmm. yeah i i think that suspension is sort of the idea or it's it's the feeling that i get as well you sort of feel like you're floating in this first section okay yeah i think so it actually reminds me a little bit of and of course this came a couple years later but i wonder if maybe George Martin took a leaf out of this book when arranging some of the soundtrack to Yellow Submarine. Oh. Um, de- depending on where the submarine is in the course of the movie, you've got the sea of time and the sea of monsters, and you've got the different themes that are associated with those places. Yeah, just just he might have been thinking of this, or this might have entered his mind at one point. Okay, yeah, I can see that, yes. So I, I think that feeling of suspension is if not intentional, then at least understandable and normal. Okay. All right. Excellent. Um, and, but there is also, there's a feeling of lift, the, especially as we kind of go on and you, you get the, the quarter notes and it doesn't, it doesn't feel, because the suspension is sort of the tempo. You don't really know what, what the tempo feels like unless you're listening to the piano, which is buried deep in the mix and very, very low. But as you kind of hear the guitar strumming, you've got, I think, I think the tempo begins to take shape. You hear more constant quarter notes as that section goes on. And then by the end, maybe you at least, or I at least, have something of a framework for what to expect going forward. But just just like the slightest hint of one, you know? Okay, all right. Um, and that, okay, there's maybe a little bit more structure, a, a little bit more of a skeleton to this than there was. And we'll see where it goes from there. But ultimately, as you've said, We're all just waiting to see what happens next.
Oh, the strings come in. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> it's just because it's so, it's so sudden, but it also, as the highest voiced instrument, if you want to call it that, it's something more to hold on to. Right, right. So how um, do you feel when you listen to this section? Okay, uh, yeah, well, it's it it does seem to be coming together into something. I'm still, you know, I'm 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 still not getting a uh, a melody, right? I'm still not getting mm -hmm. what I'm used to in a you know two minute pop song. Um, right. And uh, but I I see, you know, like this section started with uh, with uh, you know um, percussion again, right? Um, you had the you yeah know, and. And so you have a, a new section, but um, it's building. So, yeah. And it, so I, but building toward something and I don't know what. And once again, I, I hear lots of things going on, um, but I'm not sure where my attention is supposed to be. Um, and, but once again, right. I'm, as, as I say that, I'm thinking very, very narrowly in what I expect in a pop song. The question is, who is this for? You know, because mm -hmm. instrumentalists and, and anyone who has ever studied music or been part of a classical ensemble will find this very interesting to listen to. But they, what if they're not the people buying the record? <laughs> right. Or, you know, and... the target demographic and what is the target, what kind of experience is the target demographic going to have that will help them to connect to a piece of music like this? And if they don't, in fact, connect to it, then, <laughs> then, well, then what is this doing? Right. <laughs> and what exactly. is Brian doing? Yeah. Right. So, and this is, and this is the, the, you know, the, the problem of the artist outgrowing um, the, the genre in which that artist became famous. Right. I'm now imagining this happening in a concert context and Ryan steps up to start conducting this piece and someone in the crowd yells Judas at him. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> when did you go when did you go orchestral, right? When did you go exactly. symphonic, buddy? Yes. Um I want fun fun fun. Um, but no, going it's symphonic and, is an incredible title for something. Right. <laughs> going symphonic, and this is and this is you know this is what what you know in Love and Mercy Murray was complaining about, right? This is what and this is what my imagined and once again my 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 narrow view of uh, of the capital suits too, right? You know, I don't I don't give them any credit. Uh, and, and, but once again, as I, as I confessed last time, I don't, I don't think I would have been any better than they were at the time. So, but I'm, I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is, you know, this is, I mean, this is just farther away. If we, if, if we've already seen how he was developing and growing and, and breaking apart the, the traditional Beach Boys songs already on this album here He's just getting rid of everything that a, a Beach Boys fan could could understand in a sense, or mm -hmm. or be familiar with. Let's put it that way, right? That's good, you know. So um, I'm 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 completely unfamiliar with this Brian Wilson. How about okay. that? Okay, that's fair. 
Yes. Okay. I will say, although this is farther away, as you say, it's not, I mean, let's think about this section specifically. It's not completely out there. This section is, it is a new section, but it is also a repetition of the last section, just with yes. more instructions. Right. Right. So but once what again, you just heard for the first 30 seconds or whatever, you are hearing again in a more musically evolved or sonically rich way. Right. But if we are, if the first part, what we were in suspension here, we're still suspended only with more things to rest on. But once again, we're not getting, you know, we haven't, we haven't moved we haven't we haven't moved to a place that I can say, aha, here's the hummable part. Sure. But keeping in mind the title, would you agree that we have gone away? Yes. We we've don't gone know away. what we're going to. We don't know where <laughs> our point of arrival or destination is, if there is one. But right. we've gone away, especially given the juxtaposition from the last track, which was as we kind of determined just about as close to a single as we could ask for. Right. And the most Beach Boysy thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. So um yeah. And and so we're we're going away. We're we're uh and are we going away mu we're going away musically? Is this part of the plot that we've been uh you know kind of uh um grappling with over the course of the the first five songs too um so yeah that is a good question of how it fits into the narrative i guess or yeah or is this and you know I mean, we have to keep in mind what's coming next too right which is a which is a decided break from everything else as well so True. this could just be you know well uh, we're we're and and we're ending side one uh, with the next with with this song and the next one. So this could be a little um, interlude. So well, and yeah. it would have been a much different choice had this track been the end of side one. Yes. Instead of the next one. Correct. But I think the next song doesn't really fit on the rest of the album anyway. But for right, a very yeah. different reason than for this one or or anything previously. Yeah, so, I can see how uh, you would think and, that. Yeah. And real quickly, uh, just so you know, we want you to tune in next time, but uh Sloop John B is the is the final final track on side one. So yeah, and we'll cover. talk about that in another in another program in the next episode of Pod Sounds. Um should we be saying that? So do we need to, to mention to people what they're listening to every once in a while? I don't like on the radio, but probably not. Uh not really. If if they've if they've tuned in from the top of the episode, they know what it is. Okay, cool. And if they, and they haven't can see what it is, and they, I mean, it's, it's not like a constant radio commentary that's happening in real time. Gotcha. Okay, I'm I'm new I'm new to this uh, this medium. Um. So so yes, <laughs> you so, you have no uh, no idea how often I'll listen to the radio. I'll be like, oh, it's a PSA. Let me skip thirty seconds ahead. Can't do that. It's the radio. <laughs> So, so yes, so I see it building, um, or I see it, it growing richer, or I hear it growing richer, sure. um, but I'm still uncertain where, 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 where we're going. And yeah. the, the title, right? 
let's uh, let's go away for a while, right? There's no, it's not, it, there's not a destination set. So maybe that uh, that uncertainty is intentional. And I mean, you you mentioned seeing as opposed to hearing. We talked in the past about Brian's visualizing or or having there's there being a visual component to the way he composes. So I bet that he, you know, like they're out, their ideas are all out there floating in the air and he has to find a way to communicate them. I think we talked about in like the second episode or something. Right, right. I absolutely imagine that being the case for most, if not the entirety of this track. Okay, okay. Especially toward the end of this past section, I could hear very much a correlation or sort of a through line from this piece and this arrangement to the arrangements that the Four Seasons were using on the Genuine Imitation Life Gazette a few years later. Ah. And I have a clip that I believe evidences this. Do you hear similarities there? Because I do, especially with the with the quarter notes kind of lift, and then the, the other instruments kind of buoying it up, I suppose, lifting it kind of, there's, there's, there's a gentle drive to it. And the, okay. the, the way that the arrangement is structured, I think, owes a lot to this song. Okay. I, I, I certainly, I like the album itself is much more, uh, pointedly Beatlesque than, uh, yes. than Beach Boysy. Um, I, oh I, yeah, I, there I, are direct references. Yep, <laughs> and usually not in a positive way. Um, at least, well, I should say the the packaging of the uh, of the album is there. There are all sorts of jibes at the uh, at the Beatles, um, but just yeah. in general, I hear I it, musically even I hear I hear Beatles more than than Beach Boys. Um, but uh, but no, I can I can I see what you or I hear what your uh, what you're saying about that uh, that section well i mean who did bob gaudio arrange it was he the arranger as well i believe so yes so yeah i i think i i think that maybe although they were responding more intentionally and explicitly to the beatles that a piece like this or or you know orchestrational decisions like this also informed him um, and I think it's just a really nicely arranged album too. I like listening to it because, because of because of all of those choices and the way they fit together. They're a little more jarring, I think, than this album. There are sections that would not seem to fit together at all that kind of are placed right next to one another. Yeah, and that's another one of those. This is this is off. You know, this is this is un. You know. Uh, Four Seasons fans, this is unlike anything yeah, else we've released. Yes. Right. Um, and the fact that it was the the worst selling Four Seasons <laughs> right. album ever um, is understandable, even though it's it's really good. Um, but if you're a Four Seasons fan, you're not expecting it. And if you're not a Four Seasons fan, you're not necessarily going to go seek it out. Right. You're not you're not looking for you don't think, hey, four seasons, something uh, uh, with social commentary. 
Okay. So whatever whatever movement we had going forward, any any sort of you know propulsion forward, um, even as we were being suspended in the first two sections, I feel is gone here. <laughs> I mean, isn't it? Well, okay. So the the big change here is that we've switched time signatures. We were in four four, and now we're in three four. Now we've we've cut off one beat per measure. It's now one two three one two three one two three. And and there it's different uh, instrumentation too, right? I mean, there's yes, something. There's also different instrumentation. I mean, the the vibraphones are still there. The most of the instruments from the last section have dropped out. A few of them remain, and there's more. There are more motif sort of you know series of notes overlapping one another but they're not all playing together okay right but this is it's a it's there's a there's a maybe jarring is too strong a word but there is a there's a, a clear difference in what yes. was going on and what was developing and what is now happening yes there there's okay. no it is not a smooth transition by any means and when we would listen to it, like in the car back in the old days, I remember thinking, I remember, you know, recognizing the start of the track, like, okay, this is what the beginning sounds like. And then, you know, once we get to the end, recognizing what the end of the track sounds like, okay, this, this is the end of this piece. But how did it get from that first section to the second section? I, I had no knowledge or I, I remember struggling with being able to figure out how that happened. And the answer is that it just doesn't. There's no, <laughs> there's no transition. It's just the first section ends and the second section begins. We go from 4-4 four, four into 3-4, but there, there's no bridge. It just switches. It just changes abruptly. So yeah, I, I wouldn't blame you for feeling jarred or for reaching for the term jarring as your first reaction. Okay, and so the eleven-year-old in the back, um, in the back seat, is thinking about uh, is thinking about well, how did how did how did we get from the beginning of this piece to the end of this piece? Right? What's the what's the through line, as it were? I'm driving and thinking, when's Sloop John B coming? <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, it's not very long, you know. So uh, yeah, anyway, I realized that's... that it's shorter than I thought it was when I was uh, segmenting it into clips. Yeah, no, it's 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 a really short piece, and so and it's it's just a while, right? You're we're just getting away for a while, not yeah. for a long time, right? Yeah, that's right. And but it's not let's get away from it all, right? So we have to go far, far away. So we're just getting away for a while. Yeah, and well, it's, not, uh, it's not even like there's anything in particular that we have to escape from. Right. We're just escaping. Yeah. Right. Just, uh, just, just floating here. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so, but I, cool. I love each of those and the, the vibraphones, you've kind of got the, the two notes that sort of accompany each other up and down and they go from minor third to major third to minor third to major third, just kind of in, in the mix there, you don't necessarily have to pick them out. Um, and then you've got the, the, the pieces around it. You've got um, whatever the, the horn that's playing or whatever the brass is, I think has a cup mute in it. It sort of sounds like it. And it's going, dur, 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 dur. I really like that. Uh, it, it just, it sounds very, 
I can hear the instruments responding to one another and hearing one another. And that sort of collaboration and community mindedness is really important when you're making music together. Right. Um, and it's, but it's also really easy to forget about. Like when you are a musician and working with other people, you can get so lost in what it is that you're playing that you forget to listen to what's happening around you. But I, I think that these musicians were really in tune with one another's minds. And I think this is also what the conductor does, right? So even if you're just doing what you do, I'm going to make sure that uh, everybody's doing what they're doing in, uh, in collaboration. Um, oh, and I love that descending bass line at the end of this section. The, you know, the da, da, da. And then all the instruments above kind of go da, da. And it goes da. And then um, it, it goes down by half steps. And then as we see directly in the next section, it will resolve to the, the pitch that will then carry it through the rest of it. So I, I, I love when it's, I mean, it's a low string instrument, I think, that does that. And I, I just love things like that. I love choices like that. And that's very much a Brian Wilson choice because he does that also on God Only Knows, which we'll talk about in a couple episodes. All right. Okay. So the instinct so, is already there. Excellent. All right. So section, the last section. Last section. Let's listen for the resolution. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love, uh, I love that the, the, the drums. I love the percussion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, it, it just calls out to me, saying, "Boy, just imagine <laughs> what some vocals could do here." Right? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, "Just imagine if you could watch this being played, and you'd at least have something to look at, so you could tell what was going on." <laughs> Um, no, if, I mean, I, I love that timpani. If anything, I think in the, like at the end of each couple measures or so, I think maybe the timpani might be laying it on a little too thick. Boom, 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 Like, like, could calm, calm down a little bit. No, see, I, it's that, I mean, I, I like perk that's, up that's again not, here. I'm not, okay, okay. Um, that's, you know, once again, so for me, that's, that draws me back in. Okay. Um, and, uh, um, and so I'm, I'm not necessarily, I, I don't need sloop John B just yet. Okay. Um, you know, so. Well, so too bad. You Cause you're about to get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I love the way that the different types of drums respond to each other. Cause you've got yes. the two, 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 like that. I, I love that call and response. That's great. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. Even I noticed that. <laughs> and then you've got the, the strings. Once again, sort of that bass line has resolved. And now it's alternating between fa and sol. Those two pitches. Those two, those two solfege pitches, if you were going to sing them. 
Um, right. And it's just fun and soul and fun and soul. And that's all it is for the rest of the piece. So once again, we never get back to dough. Like, you know, there's no, there's no return home to the home key because there was never really a home key to begin with. So, um, and then, and then it just sort of fades out. Right. You know, there's no, there's no, not only is there no return to a home key, there isn't even a definitive ending. That's really interesting. I wonder what the philosophy was behind that. I'm not going to say the logic, but the philosophy behind okay. it. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it is interesting. And it's, I'm wondering if, and it's even really short, right? There's, is there a, is it the shortest track so far? I would assume so. Um, and it's not like any of these other tracks have been super long. You know, on the one hand, on the one hand, I would say it's uh, it seems so short because it is. But I, it's like I want more too, right? You know, kind of. You know, um, First of all, you're right. This track clocks in at two minutes and 21 seconds, which is the shortest so far. And, you know, in terms of you, you have heard something and you're not really sure what to do with it, but then it doesn't allow you the time to figure out what to do with it because right. then it's over exactly. all of a sudden. I think that's a, that's a legitimate reason to not like something. If you, if you just don't have enough of it to really feel like you can make an informed choice. Right. So um, maybe this is just a, well, I, this, is, this would seem to demean it. Um, but is this in some ways a palate cleanser, right? Um, sort of, you know, okay, we've, we've gone this far. Here's a little break. Then we get our next track. And then, uh, which as we'll see next time is, a, is, a, is something uh, different from everything else. Then we get uh, the, that's the side end of side one. And then we come back to the album proper at the uh at the beginning mm, of side at the start two. of side two yeah yeah that's possible i don't think that's demeaning it or diminishing it in any way i think that's especially for sort of a casual listener who doesn't have a lot of musical experience you know they they don't have to think too hard about it they can just you can just listen to it all right and okay. sort of regroup from the five vocal numbers that have come before this which is which is still you know a lot to absorb for someone who's accustomed to hearing fun fun fun, right? You know it's it's sort of the soundtrack for catching up with yourself and absorbing everything that you've learned about them and and about Brian's songwriting abilities and tendencies and 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 predilections from the previous five tracks, and then this one and in some ways, Sloop John B as well, are sort of a reset. Right. <laughs> I just saw this quote that uh, Brian in 1996 said, that's a great Burt Backrack type of thing. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Although so... I, I, prefer, I prefer Brian's composing to Burt Backrack's. <laughs> <laughs> so who was it who said that every Burt Backrack song sounds like the second oboe part? Because that's I don't know. absolutely I don't... true, and it's a great it's a great line. So uh, so yes, so I you know, and so I I uh, you know all of the things that you have said make me appreciate this piece more. I 
you know, I'm 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 still under not underwhelmed. I'm 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 still not satisfied. Okay. So yeah, that's legit. There, all, all sorts of great albums have songs that don't, or you know, tracks that don't resonate with people. Right. Or that you know, individually, they wouldn't point out as this is an example of why this album is great. I think that this track is one example of why this album is great, but I'm coming at it from a very different place than you. Right. And I, I'm, I'm even willing to say that th- this is the kind of track that was probably very influential on the people who, who are, who were influenced by this album. So I can see, you know, kind of all those musicians, all those uh, rockers listening to this saying, wow, um, you can put this on a, on an album. Should we try something like this? Or how is how can we do not that exactly, but how can we, you know, use these different instruments, these different sounds um, in our own way? So well, and that's what the Beatles did with Magical Mystery Tour, because flying is an instrumental track. There you go. And that's okay, Magical Mystery Tour is there there are greater disparities between the British and American versions of that one than some of the other albums. In the UK, it was just an EP, I think. Or maybe that was it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because in, in the North American version, the North American version is the one that we know. And it has all of the songs. Like, it's got Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields and All You Need Is Love. Um, but the British version was just an EP. And it had Flying, I Am the Walrus, Your Mother Should Know, The Fool on the Hill. And like, like four or five songs. It was, it was not long, or maybe six. It was not long. The North American version is longer. But flying was included all around. So gotcha. it was, I think, that's the sort of thing that is a response to something like this. Okay. But I, I only just learned very recently, um, like within the past year or so, that the version of Magical Mystery Tour that I had come to accept as like the definitive version actually is, is <laughs> only the case on one side of the Atlantic. So good job, Capital. Yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe. I mean, and this is well, this is where is more better, right? And uh, you know, kind of is is a fuller I think in the case of magical mystery tour, more is better. There you go. The Yanks win out over the Brits on that uh and you know, in this in this battle. Won, won the battle. <laughs> Did we win the war? That's the question. Um, and actually remind me to talk about the fool on the hill subsequently, because I do have things to say about that as it relates to pet sounds. Oh, okay. All right. I'd love to see this performed. I'd love to see an orchestra do do this piece as as part of a as part of a, a program, as part of a season. Uh, partially, and I've said that about some other tracks on the album so far, but part of it being that, you know, this one is instrumental. Right. And that it wasn't like the other ones, it, it would be very interesting to listen to them without their vocal components. But this one, I mean, whatever vocal component it might have had, didn't end up materializing. So right. I think it would be, be very cool to see the way this piece is performed in action. Yeah. And I've always been impressed by timpanists yeah. um, who, because, you know, you're, you, you do you do your, you know, 
timpani and then you have to tune it again yeah kind of and so yeah. uh, right after they they hit it they have to stop and then they have to tweak it some more and it's exactly. like how do you do yeah. that when you got all this other all these other people making uh, making noise on the stage too so i'm i've always been impressed by them practice 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 <laughs> I, I think that's really a matter of exposure therapy. Like as, as for, for as long as you've been there, listening to all these other instruments do these things. And the other thing being that being there with a number of other musicians who are all rehearsing the same piece over and over, number one, you get to know the piece really well. Right. So you don't have to pay attention to it quite as much. And number two, if people are, you know, repeating the same section over and over again in a rehearsal, you can kind of tune it out. And I'm, I've never played timpani, so I wouldn't know from personal experience. But, you know, you can kind of, you can compartmentalize and sort of shut out other sound and go into your own world where you know how to take care of these instruments amidst all of the other sound that is happening in real time around you. Right, right. So, but that's always the fun. That's, that's one of the fun things about going to see uh, an orchestra. Absolutely. So, what everybody's doing at the same time. So, uh, all right. Any any other comments? Uh, no, I'm I'm very much looking for uh, forward to to next week and uh, Sloop John B. Um, because I think it's uh, it's just a, a different kettle of fish. Interestingly enough. Oh yeah. We hope you join us again. We hope. Uh, please let us know. Please uh, comment rate and review and subscribe and then we'll have world peace oh there you go <gasps> that's what we should change the name change the name um yes pod sounds um, and then we'll have world peace <laughs> pod sounds podcast yes um please comment and uh, let us know what you think but uh and t tell your friends yes yeah tell tell people you know uh who come from a variety of musical backgrounds. Okay. All right. For Pod Sounds, I'm Cecilia. And I'm Gil. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Pod Sounds. We're glad you're here. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can find us on Insta at pod underscore sounds underscore podcast. You can find me at cmgiglio. And you can find Gil at CT Halfwit. I've been your co-host and producer, Cecilia Gelati. See you soon.